0: For people who've given up on church, but not on God if you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville Davidson and Denver, North Carolina You can check us out online at lateforce.org. Thanks Well, good morning Already had a wonderful message already this morning. I mean that in all seriousness, just seeing what God is doing in the midst of our fellowship, our family here. And so we're thankful for, for God's work. welcoming Anthony. Love the haircut, by the way. It's awesome. <laughs> so, it's, so we go to the same barber. I said, Hey, do you go to Westlake? Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's great to be back again. We are concluding our primary series. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, or as we were planning this series, we stepped back and we, we asked, what are the basics of the Christian faith? What, if we could kind of boil it down to three things, three practices, for those of us that are on journey with Jesus, what, what would these primary expressions of our, our faith be? We believe that the Bible models for us that if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're, if we're going to grow in our love for him and for others, if we're going to experience delight and, and even joy in our walk, then, then perhaps we need to come to terms with at least these basics, these understandings of our faith, three practices. So, Two weeks ago, we began with uh, looking at the biblical idea of worship, and we discovered that, that god's primary plan for us is that, that you and I, we were created to be worshipers. He invites us into a relationship with Him, where we can grow when we are intentionally pursuing Him. you remember this, the scripture pursuing Him in spirit and in truth. Both of you got it. That was awesome. <laughs> This is a participatory message, so do you need a signal if I do that? Would that help? Okay, we're going on. Last week, Aaron challenged us to be people who love God's Word, an awesome message. The Scriptures, we are to be a people who hold Scripture as the authority and the rule of our lives. And to do that, it calls for some active participation with it, some reading, some study, learning to live by it, to walk in obedience with it. Today, we're going to look at uh, one last subject, and it's the subject of prayer. It's simply talking to God. And I hope that we can see that these three, while we've kind of parsed them out and looked at them separately, they're really all very interconnected, and they're really the expression of our life together. So prayer, what is it? It's a good place to begin. We're going to answer the question with three guiding principles. I feel like I'm on America's Got Talent. Is that the golden buzzer? God, so many distractions today. keeps us awake. Well, three guiding principles. We can call them anchors that, that we attach our lives to. So if you don't get anything else out of this morning, these three things you can take home. You can you can ponder them during the week and actually reflect on them and say is my prayer life, does does it reflect these principles? So here they are the first three right out of the box and this will be our guideline for today. Principle number one, prayer is the language of relationship. Prayer is the language of relationship. The second principle is scripture is the language of prayer. You following that? So prayer is the language of relationship with with God, and then scripture is the language of that prayer. And then the third thing is prayer is our, our participation in God's kingdom. So those three principles. Well, it's safe to say that most all of us in the room today at some point in our lives have prayed. Even before we've expressed any faith in God or hope in Jesus, at some point we threw out that desperate message in a bottle... Somehow a life tragedy or a crisis has, has stranded us, has isolated us. And so we've searched for that, that empty bottle and we wrote down that uh, deserted island 911 prayer and rolled it up, stuffed it in the bottle and threw it out on the turbulent sea of life, hoping that somebody out there would hear me. It's not an uncommon prayer for us to pray. It's a, hey God, if you're out there. Or, hey, I need a little, little extra favor. We've, we've prayed those. I have. When we speak of prayers, however, as followers of Jesus, it's, it's an altogether different scenario. Our life situations may be just as difficult. We may be in crisis. We may be wondering where in the world God is. Or we may just be trying to be obedient in our walk with life. But prayer is completely different. The difference is... Now listen, difference is God has already come to our little deserted island. He's already here. He is present. He, he found us. We're not abandoned any longer. Through Jesus, God is with us. We know that. We're not just living on a prayer. Take my hand. We'll make it, I swear. Whoa! We're... Oh, yeah, you know that one. Yeah, do the little Bible thing and you fall off. Well, in the first scenario, we are in trouble. And we, we think we're initiating this conversation with God by tossing that 911 prayer up to him, hoping he'll hear. But in the second, in the second scenario, what Scripture teaches is that God has come to us. He's already spoken. We sang about it in that song earlier this morning. He spoke to us his words of love, his words of rescue. When we pray, then, when we pray, we are simply responding to what he has already said. Wow, that's a completely different scenario, isn't it? Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, At many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by His Word, by the Word of His power. You see, Abraham heard the voice of God and he responded to God in a life of prayer. Moses hears the voice of God and he responds with a life of prayer in God. Samuel and David and Jeremiah all responding to what God has said to them. Prayer is no more than a conversation, no more than communion that has been restored when we are following Jesus and living out our new lives in Christ. You see, our prayer is simply the language of relationship that we have with God. So we might be asking, why do we pray then? Why pray at all? I'll give you three quick things. This is kind of like the worship message and the scripture message where I can take you up to the edge of the ocean we can look at the top of it, but it will be yours to dive in a little deeper. Okay? So we pray, number one, we pray to know God. We pray because what we really want, what, what, the way we're really designed, is that we might know God, to enjoy Him, to glorify Him forever. You remember, that that's why we were created. C.S. Lewis frames it this way. He said, God designed the human machine to run on Himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. You see, we pray to know God. Think about the conversations that we have in our relationships. If the primary reason that I have a conversation with you is so that you'll get to know me... We, we begin to think there's something wrong with that person. It's, it, it's like having the conversation with, with that guy that talks about himself and his family and his new car and the job and all the travel he does and all the things he's been doing and blah 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 and he takes a breath just long enough to say, hey, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me so far? <laughs> right? That guy Now, we talk to God so that we might know him first, not with the ulterior motive that somehow he gets to know me. He already knows you. He knows your heart. Moses prayed this kind of God-knowing prayer. He said, Now, therefore, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, what that I may know you and may find grace in your sight. Isn't that a great prayer? That's an awesome prayer. A second reason we pray is we pray to follow God. We pray to know Him, but we pray that we pray so that we might follow God. Our hearts turn to God when we're growing in our relationship with Him. Not only do we want to know Him more deeply and intimately, but we really also want to follow Him. We want to live lives of obedience. David, while not a perfect man, was a man after God's own heart. He prayed this prayer in Psalm 86, 11, he said, God, teach me your ways that I may live according to your truth and grant me the purity of heart that I may honor you. That's a good prayer, that I may know you, that I may follow you. The three, third reason we pray is we, we pray to ask God. Now, now, I get it. Some of us, self-included, we, we begin there. So often where we begin because our lives are difficult. We, we're in circumstances. We, fi- we find ourselves rushing to the only God, the only one who knows us and truly loves us. And in fact, he, he invites us. He invites us to come and ask. Jesus told us this. He said, he said ask, ask the Heavenly Father, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? What a good good God we serve. But don't let that be the only reason we pray. For prayer is our language of relationship that we might know him, follow him, and ask. Other questions that we might ask about prayer is, do we just make our own words up? Kind of a practical question for us. Is God kind of waiting for me to speak some words? We've already touched on it a bit some. And we, we've determined already that the biblical perspective on prayer is that God has first spoken to us. He, see, he, he had the first word, not us. As Aaron showed us last week when, when we talked about the primary of Scripture, it is God who has spoken to us. What we, what we have here... What we have right here is, is God's Word to us. The first part of the conversation is right here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Scripture from last week, I love this Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work." See, Scripture is God speaking to, to us, initiating the conversation. One writer says it this way, God befriends us with His Word. He comes to us. Well, why do we pray? We, we, we pray that we know, might know Him and follow Him. And we're invited to immerse ourselves in, in his word and, and these truths and pray them back to him. And it brings us to our second principle that we already, we've already mentioned, that is scripture becomes our, our language of prayer. You know a great conversation skill uh, to, to really honor that person and to stay engaged is, is to repeat back what, what the person is saying in the conversation. You've done this before? Honey, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, what I hear you saying is that you're disappointed with me because I'm not helping with the kids. Okay? That, that's kind of entering into the conversation and re- repeating things back. When we use the truths of Scripture our primary, as our primary language of prayer, two things. Lots of things, but two things. Number one, they are firsthand truths about God. Does that mean I should only pray words that specifically come out of here? Well, of course not. And we're going to show an example of that in just a bit. But what it does mean is that our prayers should be anchored in what God says about himself and his purposes. And not contradict it. This happens when we read it and we study it and we reflect on it. And we learn about God and what he has chosen to reveal about himself. You see, the, the scriptures are first-hand information. Do you remember that, that game we used to play called the telephone game? You remember that one? I thought about doing it this morning, but the the BSM actually ate up all of our time. Just kidding, I had to that I want to, just kidding. So, if you, do, if you need a reminder, the telephone game is that game where well, I'd start over here, and I'd tell Joel, I'd say something like, the purple baby bunnies launched a big blue boat in the ocean. And then he had one time, one chance to tell the next and the next. And we'd go all the way across the room. And we'd get over on this side. Adam, what would you say? He'd say something completely different. I can't make anything up on the spot. But he'd he'd say something. I think I'm going to go launch a boat in the lake today or something. It would be completely different because it's not firsthand information. You see, when we pray God's word back to him, we're praying back firsthand information. It's not all muddled up in my poor memory, my lack of understanding of who God is. I'm just telling him who he is. The second thing that Scripture serves us as is, is, is a prayer primer. It's kind of a how-to. God gives us this, this language. It's kind of the same thing, but it's, it's, it gives us language to pray. A few years ago, Cass was interested. My, that's my wife. She was interested in learning how to speak Spanish. Now, you may not have thought this to be a good gift, but at Christmas, I bought her the Rosetta Stone for Spanish. Yeah. Well, why did she need it? She needed somebody to, to give her new ways to speak, new language, new words, new, new nuances and rules about it. And so she, she began to study. Now you can go to her today and ask her how that's going. You might want to say it in English if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I did ask permission to, before I, <laughs> as I walked out the door this morning, do you think it'd be okay if I said <laughs> Are you coming to church today? So, <laughs> well, Luke, in his uh, account... Oh, I back up, I dropped So... The words of Scripture, are not, they're not secret code words. They're just simply ways of, of teaching us, priming us, helping us learn the new language of our faith. Luke, in his account of the gospel, he tells about the disciples and their curiosity about prayer. The disciples noticed that Jesus taught on prayer and he prayed often. It wasn't uncommon for students to ask their teachers, their, their rabbis, kind of the how-tos of, of following the rabbis' traditions and rules. And for here is how to pray. They also witnessed a life of power and authority that was birthed in the life of Jesus and his prayers. And so in Luke 11, 1 through 4, we find them in this scene. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Father, hallowed be your name, Jesus said. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Do you ever wonder where that prayer came from? Did Jesus always pray that prayer? Was, was that it, every time he'd sit down? and he'd... These specific words, probably not. He did share them earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he told the folks there that this was a model of prayer. and It's a, it's a great story to go back and, and look at. But if we do a, a little bit of digging, many scholars believe that he's praying, at least in formula, a very traditional Jewish pattern of praying and, and, and infuses it with the context of Scripture and God's story. Okay? So these words of the Lord's Prayer, while not necessarily specific verses quoted from Scripture, are words or allusions or, or precepts of God and His story. So Jesus been, is praying what has been revealed by God about Himself. Let me show you just a few. So the first phrase, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Perhaps references from from Hosea when Israel was a child. I loved him out of Egypt, and I, I called my son a direct reference to God as father, the fatherliness of Jesus, and Jesus being the my son. And the hallowed be our name, be your name, I will show the holiness of thy great name. So he shows the holiness and the fatherliness of God, all in that phrase, with references from this past. Your kingdom come, your kingdom, Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he prays, give us this day, Uh, most it. This is actually a direct reference to Psalm 30. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. You see, Scripture is the language of Jesus' prayer. I think it's a great model for us. A good place for us to begin practicing this kind of praying scripture is in the Psalms. I first learned and witnessed this happening when I was uh, this kind of praying when I was back in seminary. I served as a worship pastor with Harry Curry. What a great name, huh? Harry Curry, the pastor of Trinity Church of the Nazarene. And one day, I, I well, we lived right next to the church in a little house that they provided for us, us poor college or seminary students. And when, we, uh, when I came home one day from seminary class, uh, I saw that Harry's car was in the parking lot, so I thought I'd just go in and see what was going on. And So I walk in, and, and I'm almost immediately greeted with loud talking. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, as so I get closer and closer to, to, the, to the sanctuary, the worship center, and I realize it's Harry in there praying. So I kind of back up a little bit and... But I'm just kind of intrigued by by what's going on. And I peek in and I see that some of you will know what this, this is like, but across the front of this little Nazarene church is this little wooden altar. Can you, can you picture that? And the Bible was sitting right down there, and I saw him staring down at it. And I recognized some some of the things he was saying, and he was he was saying, I will extol you, my God. I don't know if this was the exact thing, but I recognized he was praying scripture. I will extol you, my God and King, for you are the, the most everlasting, glorious, wonderful King forever and ever and ever. I love you, O Lord, my King. Every day I will bless you and praise your name for every day, God. I don't want it just to be today and not tomorrow. You see, you see what he was doing? He, he, was, he was praying the Scriptures. Oh, my heart was just... Um, I sat down and just listened, and I was amazed listening to the content of his prayers coming directly from the Word. It was an amazing experience. You see, prayer is the language of, of relationship that we have with God, and I saw that in, in Harry, and I saw that Scripture was the language of his prayer, and it was powerful. We're coming near the end. The Lord's Prayer also helps us see one other principle of prayer, and that is that our princ- uh, that our Prayers, prayer is our participation, our participation in God's kingdom. So, in answer to the disciples' question, teach us to pray, Jesus said, When you pray, when all of you pray, pray like this. And then he prayed, What? Our Father, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts. For You see, all the plurals, the distinctives of the Lord's prayer is that the prayer is offered in community for the disciples to be praying as though they are to be praying it together. You see, God invites us as followers of Jesus to a life of Prayer together. Our journey with Jesus is both individual and it is communal. Let me say it like this: We are invited to build our personal relationship with Jesus, but we are to follow Him in community. You and I live in such an individualistic society; we don't we don't even really see it anymore. And we need to be reminded that God has rescued us from that island of isolation and individualism and living alone. And through the redemptive work of Jesus, he now says to those who are walking with Jesus, you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people belonging to God that you might declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. Once you were all alone, but now you are God's people. And once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Folks, we are family. We are the body of Christ. Giving and forgiving is all in the context of us. This is us. Oh, wait, that's the sermon, next sermon series. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's, it's one of the first things that we do, though when we are in crisis. We, I think we instinctively get this. What happens when trouble comes your way? You call a friend or you're running with a friend and say, hey, hey can you pray for me? We, we know we need one another. Two weeks ago, we, we got a group message from my sister-in-law about my niece, Hannah, who had taken, she had drinking a cup of coffee from Starbucks, lawsuit coming, that had cream in it and she specifically asked for it not to be there because it's life-threatening to her. And so a couple EpiPens later, in a hospital visit, Hannah's fine. But it went out as a group text to the whole family and friends so that we might participate in the kingdom of work together with her and pray, pray for her. Matthew 18 shares this principle, what we're going to be calling agreeing together in prayer. It's in the context of, G, of, of correction within the church, but the principle is much broader. In order for proper correction to take place in the church, Jesus says in this illustration, the church must come together and prayerfully agree. Here it is in Matthew 18. Watch where this goes. This is so beautiful. I, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything that you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. The word for agree here is an, is an amazing word. It's the word symphoneo. What, do you know what that sounds like? Symphony. Now, a symphony is not a symphony if it just gets together. A symphony is only a symphony when they agree together, when they all agree on the same sheet of music and begin playing well together. That's the beauty of a symphony. That's the beauty of agreement together. Or Robert Bakke, uh who's a great teacher on, on prayer in his book, The Power of Extraordinary Prayer, is teaching on this word agree. And he recognizes that that word symphoneo probably doesn't really connect with his audience where he is in Mexico City. So he's trying to figure out how to make this connection with them when suddenly he sees a soccer ball. And he's reminded that in the King James version of it, it actually reads anything... Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching, anything she'll ask. So he picked up on this idea of agree by touching. And he, he, he called one of the young boys up and he said, agreement is, is like you and I together holding up this soccer ball, equal effort toward one another, agreeing together. And they seem to get it. Yeah, that's what, that's what prayer together is like. That's what praying is and participating in God's kingdom is like. The next day, uh, the following night was a service, but at seven o'clock, the starting time of, of the service, no one had picked up he and his wife from the hotel. So they sat in the lobby and they waited. And At 7.15 they learned that no one had been given them the responsibility of picking them up. So they decided they were going to take a cab, but they needed to explain Translate into Spanish where they were going, and apparently the well, they jumped in the cab, and apparently the translation got a little messed up and an hour or so later, they finally arrived at the church to be greeted by the missionaries and the, the pastors that were just very anxious about the fact that they had not arrived and so they, they got out and they learned that, that there had been all kinds of uh, uh, carjackings against Americans. And so they were concerned that they had fallen victim to that. So there was lots of concern and anxiety in the midst of of their arrival. So they walked into a completely packed, full sanctuary. And hand to hand, they all stood. And they were praying together. They were agreeing on behalf of their brother and sister that God would deliver them and bring them safely. And as Dr. Baki and his wife walked onto the platform, they saw it, and they all just began to applaud. That's the power of extraordinary prayer. That's the power of praying, living together, our, particip- our participation together in a life of prayer for his purposes. Well, here's my confession. My confession this morning is learning to pray is hard, hard work. My confession is I don't often pray well. It's like yours. I wish I could be a better prayer. I'm easily distracted. I'm, I'm hurried. I'm, I'm, I'm self-focused. I'm forgetful. I forget that through prayer I can really know God and I can follow Him and I can ask Him. I forget that His Word really is my resource for praying. I, I forget that when I'm following Jesus, I'm doing it alongside of you. We can do this together. And I suspect that I'm not alone. And so this morning, I I thought an appropriate way to respond to God in this way. As his disciples on journey with Jesus, we might come to him this morning, and we would ask him, Jesus, would, would you teach us to pray? teach us. Well, we, we recited the Lord's prayer earlier today, but I want to give us an opportunity to do that again. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I know this will be a little outside your comfort zones a little bit, but um, if you could just kind of reach across the aisles and make contact with, with somebody and we could hold up this prayer together. Just reach your arms out. I know it's a little awkward, but it's okay. These are brothers and sisters and understand that together we are praying this prayer. And believe it or not, around the world today, there are millions of people who are most likely praying the exact same prayer as we are together today. That's amazing. So let's pray it together. Renew our hearts, God, as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's